Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 35 today. And if you've been following along, in, in the return of 34, chapter 34 was a hard chapter in regards to the, the horrible things that we see in life. Jacob's daughter by the name of Dinah was taken advantage of by a prince of this region in this area called Shechem which is, was the region of this area that Jacob had moved to when he wasn't supposed to be there. He was supposed to be in a town called Bethel. But Jacob went to Shechem instead. And due to that, Jacob's daughter was taken advantage of by this prince of the area. Well, this prince was highly attracted to her. And as, as Dinah was going down to kind of mingle with the women of the area... The prince had noticed her and did what he did. But the prince wanted to marry her. Shechem was his name. Shechem wanted to marry her because he was very attracted to her. So he basically went ahead and, and went on with this scheme to, to try to get uh, Jacob's family to marry in with the other Canaanites of the region. Well, her brothers, Simeon and, and Levi, agreed to do so if they went ahead and circumcised themselves. So as they did that, as they were in pain, Levi and Simeon went in and killed them and killed a bunch of other people in the region. And that really, really put Jacob uh, in the fear of his own life. Well, in this case, in, in chapter 35... We're going to be seeing quite a bit of different, uh, some different scenarios that are, be go that are going to be going on here. But God orchestrated this. You know, as I look at life, as I look at things in life and, and, and the, the background of people's lives, a lot of us, we love certain things of mementos, if you will, certificates or uh, trophies, awards. Some people have degrees hanging on their wall. And it was, a, it was a reminder of their achievements and their, their successes, recognition and glory of sorts. But see, God, God loves certain other symbols. There were symbols that, that he approves of more so than, than the things of what man gives us in the forms of those trophies, of those certificates and those degrees. And in this case, Jacob's going to, to come back to the place where God wanted him. There's going to be a new symbol that's not just going to be hanging on a wall as of a form for Jacob to see in his own achievement, but this is going to be a symbol of everyone to see within this region of where Jacob was supposed to be. I look at the, I look at the life of the of the preachers, a lot of preachers in in the uh, England area of the of the Great Britain area back in the 1800s had a very deep and very strong relationship with God, and there was there was numerous ones that I've heard that the first thing that they did in the morning is when they got out of bed, the first thing they did was prayed, and they prayed for a period of time. The, the, their bed was like a form of the altar of where they met God and prayed. Their body was like the sacrifice of dedication. And that's what God was looking for. A, a prominent place, okay, of, of, of a symbolic altar where, where his people can meet with him and have that one-on-one -on -one time with. 
in, in these in these men of the days of the 1800s, early 1900s, lived very strongly in that way of life. And I think today we tend to get a little further from it. Now, granted, we don't have to do the same exact thing they did. God works with us in many different ways. A lot of times I enjoy praying when I'm in the car driving. I think that is a very good time to be praying when you're on the road seeking God's provisions and protection. Getting out of bed and having the first thing done by praying is a wonderful way to start your day. However the way it's done may be started with God in however form that we do it. That's what he's looking for. And that's what he was looking for with Jacob. To bring him back. To bring him back to that place. To be, to be praying with ourselves, with God and our family. To have that, that devotion to God. To become once again spiritually focused on the things that God wants us to be focused on. Which is first and foremost Him. And so we're going to be looking at this chapter 35, which I have titled, The Journey Back. The Journey Back is the title of Genesis chapter 35, as Jacob returns. So let's take a look. As we venture into chapter 35, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. And make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household, and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they, have, they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the, the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. See, God just spoke to Jacob. Go to Bethel, which was where he was supposed to be from the beginning. Uh, Bethel was where Jacob had, had his first meeting with God. So there's always this sense of importance of where you met someone special. Uh, perhaps a spouse. When when you had your first meeting at a certain place, there's something special about that location. You know, I've heard such passionate stories from people about their first meeting. And then they they show how maybe they've engraved their names in concrete or engraved it in wood, declaring their relationship bond together. Now for Jacob, this would be his story with God. And, And why Bethel? Well, another special person was here with God in Bethel. And that was his grandfather, Abraham. It was the first place mentioned in the Bible where one of the first altars were mentioned in the Bible as well, was in Bethel. And what that was in the sign, it was as the sign that God and Abraham were here. That was their engraving in the wood or the concrete. And now he's saying that God and Jacob were here. Right here in Bethel, which actually means the house of God. But Jacob had a task to do first. 
And, and that was the ridding of the idols that were amongst his household. You know, removing certain jewelry and items and earrings and sorts is what he was doing. And, and again, in certain ancient cultures, earrings were worn as a form of, uh, of good luck charms. Now, is jewelry wrong? No, absolutely not. But when it takes the form of an idol, well, then there's a problem. And what Jacob is doing is making a proclamation that someone by the name of Joshua made in the book of Joshua, a very, a very well-known chapter of 24, verse 15, which says, uh, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what Jacob was doing, Jacob was recommitting himself to the Lord, which was the best thing that he could ever do. You know, if you've ever read the whole Bible before, and if you've ever observed the lives of those who walked with God, those who walked with God were uh, with Him were always at their best. But when they walked away, when they walked away from God, they fell from great heights. And again, throughout the whole Bible, we we use the examples of many different people. Every time they walked away from God, their lives were in complete shambles. Now, people might say, well, I've been walking with God for years and my life's been in complete shambles. Why is that happening? Well, God's probably using something very special for you. So he allowed Jacob to go through a few things because Jacob decided to kind of walk away as he stopped walking with God. And God was luring back as he had a divine appointment with him in the past chapter or past couple chapters where they had a special little wrestling match which caused Jacob to repent and come back to where he was supposed to be walking side by side with his Lord and God. So what we want to do is look at what God does when we obey his voice. And when we reunite with him, in verses 8 through 15 it says, Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel, under the terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Elon Bakuth. Then God appeared to Jacob again, when he came from Padanaram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. And then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel. When someone was named in the, in the days of this, it was a representation of who they were or to be in their life or within their calling. Uh, there were some in the Bible who, got, who God changed their names due to a greater purpose and calling. Uh, one of the first uh, people to have their name changed was Abraham. He went from being Abram, which means father, to Abraham, meaning father of many nations. You know, Jacob was a twin. Okay, his twin brother Esau, as I mentioned in the previous chapter. Jacob, when he came out, was holding the heel of his brother Esau. 
which was uh, Jacob's name stood for heel catcher, which was also conniver, which was Jacob. Man, his brother Esau was a hairy guy, and Esau means hairy. So they kind of took a look at them and named them by what they what it was they'd seen. But see, God comes and names him Israel now, which means governed by God. This new name was a reminder of who he is now, compared to who he was. God came down and met him as he obeyed, and came to the land that he had given to him. See, God was always his first love. That was his first love, was God himself. And he came back to where they first met. See, it reminds me of when someone gets separated. You ever seen that in movies? Maybe you've told your children or other people that when, when crowds of people start to come or whatever the case may be, and they're told that if we get separated, if something should ever happen, meet me right here in this spot. Well, this is kind of what happened here. God had Jacob had separated himself from God. And God was calling him to meet me right back here in this spot. It was the relationship restored as Jacob had been away from God. God had met him there in some form and person, right? So his, his new name was a tribute to his desire to stay close to God. And by that he worshipped God with a drink offering, is what he did. And, and this was the first account of such in worship by Jacob. We could see later on in the books of Leviticus and Numbers, it becomes a standard of worship that, uh, presented, that was presented to Moses by God. And what it was, this drink offering, is, is a small portion of wine was poured onto an altar on a sacrifice. And what it was is by pouring that on there, it would cause the smoke, uh, it was uh, presenting an aroma to God. And again, this was done in the form of worship. The oil was a representation of joy, the Holy Spirit, which was used in the Old Testament for the anointing of kings and priests. As we use it today for anointing the sick and for blessing those with the oil, it's a, uh, it's a representation of such. Jacob, now Israel, started the standard of worship as God commanded it later to his people, this form of a drink offering. He did this out of his own heart, you see, and which is why it is uh, why it was pleasing to God. We cannot outgive our Lord, but you see, true worship is is giving our hearts to to Him in love and in truth. See, there's nothing God needs, but He simply wants us to be with Him. Yet the greatest gift to us is to be with Him. But there's nothing that we can give God that he would ever need. God, God has it all. He created it all. There's nothing that we, can, that we can give him that he'll ever need. But I can see what God wants. He wants a, a wholehearted relationship with him. And for whatever reason... That is still misunderstood by people. None of us could ever understand why is it that, that this almighty God and creator would want a relationship with little old us. Well, he created us. You know how much you love your children or your grandchildren. Can you only imagine what he thinks of us? He, he, gave, us the, he gave us the understanding by allowing us to have children and grandchildren ourselves. And by that, we get a little bit of a better understanding of God's love for us. 
So let's take a look at verses 16 to 22. And it says, Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there, there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored, labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. And it happened when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and laid with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel had heard about it. Out of Jacob's two wives, Rachel and Leah, Rachel was the one that Jacob loved. But he only had two sons with Rachel out of ten sons from other women. And this would be the complete, uh, the complete of the twelve tribes of Israel. Rachel called him Benoni, meaning son of my sorrow. But see, Jacob said no. His rightful name is Benjamin, which means son of the right hand. You know, if if uh, if your name is Ben or Benjamin, uh, the name Ben in Hebrew means the son of. So if it's just Ben for short, it means son of in the Hebrew. And so there was a special purpose for the youngest son, which would be the smallest tribe in Israel. And as a son was born, and it was joyous, Jacob had to deal with the loss of a love of his life. See, Rachel was barren before, when, when they got married, and they couldn't have children. But God blessed her with uh, the two. But some years back, you know, Rachel said, uh, Rachel told Jacob, give me children or else I die. I won't want to live. And the reason being is because her sister Leah was having kids left and right. She had no problem. She was the one having children of all sorts. But she died. It's interesting. She died doing what she wanted to do. But we must be careful. We must be careful what we say. Because God will answer us in many different ways. In many different ways that we may not want or may expect. Because of what it is that we really want. See, Leah was having so many children that there were there you know there was a sense of jealousy. It was the greatest blessing to have children. And when you were considered barren in, in the Bible in these days, there was a there was an outlook of being of uh, accursed. And and Rachel was so was so concerned about giving childbirth that she said, "If I can't have children, I want to die." But even though she passed, God still blessed her with two of the most influential of the twelve. As we will see later on in the Bible. But what it did was it mentioned the actions of Reuben here, who was the oldest. Uh, he was the oldest son, who had relations with his father's concubine. Uh, a concubine was like a, almost kind of like a live-in girlfriend, if you will. They weren't legally married. So there, there was no rights if the husband passed away, is, is what a concubine was. 
They were like a wife, but they weren't legally married. Nowadays, we call it common law marriage when people live with each other for a period of years, but they don't legally marry. Well, it's not something that God had orchestrated here. It's not something that God approved of. And he definitely didn't approve of what, of what Reuben did. So if anybody came from a dysfunctional family and thinks that there is no way that God could use them, then I suggest that you continue to observe the lives of these guys. I, I always remind people about the many blessings of the Bible. See, one of the many things I've heard people say about things in the Bible is, what does that have to do with me? How does this pertain to my life? It is a very common question that I've heard in, in, in recent years. And my answer was, that, well, you tell me, after the Holy Spirit has shown you how that pertains to you in your life. I remember a long time ago teaching a group of young men and women, and there was this, the discussion came up of, well, how does this pertain to me? And what's interesting is somebody spoke out and said, that it sounds to me when I hear people say that, how does this pertain to me? They're more concerned about what they can get out of it than what God is trying to say in His Word. And after that was said, the sound of silence was in the room. So I thought to myself, good for you. Good for you, kid, for saying that, because it's true. What can I get out of it? That's what, that's what matters the most. See, the Bible gives all things. He, the, the Bible gives all things that should pertain to our lives and things that should not pertain to our lives. Reuben, you know, Reuben missed out on the blessings that, that came with being the oldest. So what's, what's really new today compared to then, I guess, is the question. The unfortunate thing is, is what we just read does pertain to a lot of people, but um, the Bible gives us things that he does not want to pertain to us. And that's exactly what happened here. In verses 23 to 29. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishakar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilphah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padam Aram. Then came to him his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kerjath, Abrah. That is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So Isaac breathed his last breath and died, and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And when his sons Esau and Jacob buried him, Jacob had been away for 20 years and had not seen his father Isaac because his brother Esau vowed to kill him over a birthright. Isaac was thought to be passing away then at that time, but held on much later than expected. Why? Because God allowed him to see him one more time. God is good. Because through all the turmoil of their lives, Jacob got to experience God's grace and provisions. As Jacob was hiding from his brother who wanted to kill him, he was reunited with him a couple chapters back. And now they got to bury their father together. Now, it's never an easy task, but it's always easier when your family is there to do it together. 
you know, as I get older, I've seen things and realized things now that I wish that I would have done years ago. But again, I've experienced grace from our Lord. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you've got a lot of time ahead of you. Well, maybe not. If you've ever walked through a cemetery and observed the people's tombstones, you will see that the end of someone's time has no age limit. The thing is, is we don't get time back. Time we do not get back. Many don't realize that our, our lungs are involuntary muscles, which means we can't build lungs like we can certain muscles on our body. So when you sleep at night and every time you wake up, we need to realize who it was that allowed that to happen. I look at what Jesus said, that not even a bird falls from the sky without my Father's approval. And if there's something we all have in common, the one thing we have in common is is that we're all going to have a last day on earth. We all have a birthday, but we also will all have a last day on earth as well. But do we have in common the received grace from Christ Jesus? And I just love how another pastor I've heard explained what grace is. And I know, we all know what grace is. It's unmerited favor. But I like what he said in the spelling of grace. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And I will end with a true story. I'm going to end with a true story about a pastor whose wife had died. And they had some young children. And as they, were, as they were driving away from the funeral service, one of the little boys asked, what, what was it like when, their mom, when mom had passed away? And as he was asking the question, as they were stopped at a light, a very large semi-truck had just passed right by them, but the semi-truck casted a shadow right over their car. Because the semi-truck had got, been going at a speed, and was able to make the light, so therefore it casted a shadow over the car. And so what had happened was, it gave the, the father an idea here of what to tell his son. He says, well, he goes, did you just see that shadow that just overwent us right now? And he said, yes. He said, that's what happened. Mom, when, when your mom had passed away, God had overshadowed her. And she woke up in his presence. See, the greatest ethic that God gave to us was the ethic of love. And nobody displayed it better than than his son, Christ Jesus, did on that cross. He said three words before he passed away. Jesus says, it is finished. Well, Jesus took three nails on that cross which was representation of three more words that says, I love you. So let us remember that God's riches at Christ's expense was paid at a very high expense. It wasn't done in vain at all. It was done in truth. It was done in love. It was done for the souls to be saved of all mankind. So what I do here is I give an invitation to receive him. As you have heard the word of God being spoken to, 
and you feel that you feel that urge to to receive him because you want to be a part of him and you want to ask yourself the question is is when when my time is up whenever that is going to be will i be able to say with confidence that i'm going to be in god's presence and his glory in heaven well, there's only one way that could be done that I can assure you that, that that could be done is by receiving His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, into your heart. So if you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you, I want you to say this prayer of faith after me and, and make sure that it's said in truth. If you want to receive Him as your Lord and Savior... And I want to encourage you that after you say this, or maybe you're rededicating your life because you've walked away, may we be able to continue to stay that course in, in the Word of God and prayer and fellowship and all of the things that He gives to us in order to be able to continue in fellowship with Him and to protect us through this life that He's given us. Say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will forgive me of my sins, Lord. I thank you for dying for me on the cross. And Lord, I receive you in my heart, Lord, as my Savior and my Father. May you remember me when my time is up, Lord. May I enter in your kingdom, Lord as one of your children. As Lord, as I receive you now as my Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, may God bless and keep you in all that you do. And may you remember to seek Him at all times as He's watching over us. May God bless and keep you.